Good, good, good evening. Here's the news. 20 minutes of O.J. Simpson, Monica Lewinsky, John Benet Ramsey, or Princess Diana, or what? Ever. Then a quick shot to the instant cam. Well, yeah, there was some weird-ass car wreck here about four hours ago, but the street does seem to be empty now. Now back to you. Well, now word from our sponsor, then weather, then sports. And that's all the news you need to know.
Try.
Drop.
one's harder to explain, I will do my best. Both these organizations were created after World War II, originally to rebuild Europe because corporations wanted an infrastructure put back in place and they sure as hell weren't going to pay for it. After all, why should they? They're corporations. All they did was manufacture the bombs that blew up the old infrastructure. So the government should pay to make the new one. And the International Monetary Fund was created for short-term loans to bail out countries big and small if they suddenly ran into a huge deficit and couldn't pay their bills and might rock the boat on Wall Street if they defaulted on their debts or whatever. Well, now it is mutated into World Bank does a lot of the big loans and initiates the big projects. Education, health, oh, forget it. Construction companies can't make any money that way, no. Whatever Bechtel wants, Bechtel gets dams, giant highways. New one they're going to want to do is, I think it's a 600-mile pipeline through the equatorial jungle of Africa to benefit oil companies who want to pump out some oil. That's what the World Bank has in mind, but they do it in the form of loans with high interest rates, and so a lot of these pay the whole thing back. And the IMF does short-term bailouts, but again, high interest rates, plus they attach these conditions. We're not going to bail you out unless you go on our austerity program, where we send in some Ivy League economists, Lily White, of course, 
who say, well, you're going to have to lower salaries, cut jobs, get rid of health benefits, get rid of welfare for the most part, cut education, and quit growing your own food and grow export crops for the corporations that fund us instead. And that's what's been going on all over the third world, where places like Mozambique now owe the World Bank and IMF eight times as much money as they take in every year. And Africa, on the average, spends four times as much of the money they can raise paying off the interest to the World Bank and the IMF than they do on addressing starvation, education, infrastructure, welfare, you name it. And in Africa, there's a badass AIDS epidemic going on right now. In South Africa, over one in 10 people have AIDS now. But the IMF and World Bank just want their interest payments back instead, which some people who have been fighting these organizations full time liken not just to economic colonization of the old colonies, but outright genocide. When you let 30,000 kids a day die from malnutrition, but you want to collect interest money or you're willing to pay for pipelines and dams. That's why people are so mad at the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund. The Jubilee 2000 program are the ones who are just saying, why don't they just forgive the debts and wipe the interest and go from scratch, or these countries are never going to recover. However, the IMF and the World Bank won't hear of it. But there is a way to make the World Bank in particular listen that's only beginning to be talked about, but get ready for this one is what floats the World Bank is bonds. And who buys those bonds and invests in those bonds? Universities, city governments, the same people who used to invest in South African bonds and South African companies until the heat from boycotts all over this country and on campuses all over the world put so much heat on they had to pull out and then the apartheid government finally collapsed. This is what needs to be done to the World Bank. Researching whether this city and others holds any World Bank bonds and time to pressure them to get rid of them, perhaps. Meanwhile, to get us to like all this stuff, as corporations intrude more and more into our lives, to get us to accept it, they just sort of try to get us to like it by co-opting. Taco Bell now has extreme meals. I just saw a Nissan SUV commercial where they described their gas-guzzling swine mobile as radical. <laughs> Remember the Subaru commercial that talked about Subaru being punk rock? Co-opt, 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 where the consciousness of the 60s gets sold back as that 70s show. They're trying to do it again on a much bigger scale. Getting people to wear the logos. You know, little kids have all these huge logos on their clothes now. Has anybody ever seen Tiger Woods' hair? One person in this room ever seen Tiger Woods' hair? I doubt it. You'd have no idea whether there's wires growing out of it attached to American Express and Pepsi and everything else, do you? No. He always has a hat on with a mark of the beast on his forehead. <laughs> the Nike swooshtika, it's on Tiger's head. Soon it will be on yours. 
and you're one of the few cities left that doesn't have all your sports facilities named after corporations. In San Francisco, they just opened a new baseball stadium named after not Willie Mays, not some civic hero. It's named after the phone company. And even in Green Bay, they're getting ready to auction off the name of Lambeau Field in a couple years, too, to the highest corporate bidder. Maybe they can rent it every few years, who knows? But that's not what should be going on. And of course, a main way they like to co-opt us is to take our favorite songs and spit them back at us in TV commercials, which unfortunately, globalization hell came to my house in the past couple years. To make a long story short, former members of my old band, Dead Kennedys, sued me, claiming that I burned them on royalties, which I did not do. Yes, we goofed on accounting, found the error, and paid them. But no, they wanted revenge, in my opinion. Revenge for my refusing to let Holiday in Cambodia be put in a Levi's commercial. The lawyer they have also has represented Bill Graham, Journey, Doobie Brothers, Boston, Santana. Basically, a showbiz lawsuit to punish me for not being corporate enough. They even brought it to trial. They would not settle. So there was a trial this spring where they marched up like little parrots. Ray, Klaus, and D.H. Poligro all claimed they wrote all my songs. And then the lawyer said, oh, he couldn't possibly have come up with any of that music because he doesn't play an instrument. And what's more, jury, he doesn't read sheet music. <laughs> and they claimed there was this mass conspiracy of me to hide money from them. Never mind, they could never come up with a motive or anything. And there wasn't any money hiding in the first place. They even called as an expert witness a CPA who works for Grateful Dead Records who openly coveted the Dead Kennedys catalog for Grateful Dead in his deposition. How sick is that? The Grateful Dead Kennedys? <laughs> he claimed that I owed them damages for lack of promotion because, among other things, Alternative Tentacles Records, the independent label I've had all these years to try and operate outside the entertainment industry and stick to the ethics that everybody in the band believed in at one time, I suppose. Anyway, owe them damages because we didn't run ads in Billboard or Rolling Stone, and worse yet, there were no videos on VH1. The jury fell for it and awarded them damages for lack of promotion because this guy said, well, if X amount more money had been spent on advertising, X amount of more CDs automatically would have been sold. In other words, damages on CDs that don't exist. And damages for other things. So at this point, no money, but I've got to appeal the damn thing. So now their lawyer has made a motion before the judge saying that they want her to rule that they can just kick me out of the former band member partnerships, throw a little money at me, then not only run off with the songs to pimp any way they want to, but never have to pay me again. So much for the ethics that Dead Kennedy stood for. Words cannot describe how much this sickens me. 
but I mean somebody had to say no to putting their favorite songs in goddamn commercials. So if you see Dead Kennedy stuff that belongs on alternative tentacles on anything else in the future, and I do get totally wiped out, feel free to spend your money elsewhere. That's one of my ways of fighting back, and it has cost me dearly to the point where it's turned into Kurt Cobain, I'm coming to join you sometimes. It gets so upsetting, all this. If you've ever had a really badass legal case hanging over your head, you know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, other people are fighting back, too. And not just giving up and saying, there's so much wrong with the world, I wouldn't know where to begin, so I'm just not going to begin at all. Maybe I'll just go score some dope or watch TV. No. I think what's important is people are starting to pick battles one bit at a time that are actually winnable which can then make the bigger picture look better in the long run instead of hopeless. For example, United Students Against Sweatshops. One of several organizations, and this one has sprung up almost within a year or two on 200 campuses nationwide, pressuring school administrations not to make all the rah-rah school mascots, sweatshirts, and t-shirts in places that use sweatshops. And some of these schools have backed down and agreed not to do that anymore, to actually make sweatshop-free merchandise for the football fans and things. And that's important. On top of it, USAS is credited with being the ones who forced Nike to open their books. This isn't just an important issue, it's one that we can do something about at a time where in the U.S. territory of Saipan, on that island, women have to work 12 hours a day behind barbed wire for next to nothing, making clothes for, among others, The Gap, Walmart, Tommy Hilfiger, The Limited, and Sears. Another student organization has sprung up called Students Allied to Reform Corporations. I like that agenda. In other words, people not just giving up and putting up with a slow but sure coup of the corporations taking over our constitutional government. But again, corporations are trying to co-opt. It's been trumpeted with much fanfare that Levi's, among others, who also has a badass sweatshop reputation at this point, I might add, Right around the time Klaus Floride in particular was pressuring me to sell out to Levi's, they laid off 6,400 workers in Texas, while at the same time paying a $100 million bonus to one retiring executive. They claimed sales were down, we had to cut costs, then a few months later I see a little item in the paper that they're opening new factories in China. Levi's was one of the first to announce that, well, we're taking a stand against sweatshops by becoming part of the Fair Labor Association, the FLA. The FLA is basically, it's a labor version of what's called greenwashing, where you pretend, like Al Gore pretends to be a big friend of the environment, but then does the opposite when nobody's looking. Well, with the FLA, 
Corporations hire their own monitors for the factories, check only 5 to 15% of them. The flaw notifies the companies ahead of time when and what factories they're going to check. Third-party contractors are exempt, and then if they see that the 5 to 15% of the factory is okay, all the company's products can be labeled sweat-free inside the garment. And not a word from the flaw about wages. So, others who are a little more concerned about this have formed the Workers' Rights Consortium, the WRC, which is designed to do what the flaw pretends to do. Workers' Rights Consortium is corporate-free. They do not warn companies which factories they're going to inspect, meaning all of them better be clean. They publicly disclose what they find. But here's what can happen on the other hand. There was enough student pressure at the University of Oregon that they dropped the flaw and went to the WRC. So Phil Knight, the head honcho of Nike, pulled a $30 million grant from the university in protest. Nike strikes again. Granted, that was only money for a new football stadium and no scholarships for poor people or anything, but still, this is the kind of heavy-handed tactics we're dealing with, but it's very important to keep up with Students Against Sweatshops and the Workers' Rights Consortium and not to fall for the flaw. One organization that's been instrumental in bringing this to our attention and helping organize the Seattle protests and A16 in Washington, Public Citizen is one, which grew out of Ralph Nader, but the one I'm thinking of here who's also worth becoming a member of is Global Exchange. They're headquartered in San Francisco. I'm sure their website is probably globalexchange.com. And that reminds me, there's also a www.worldbankboycott.com if you want to get more hip to that. And there's another one, 50years.com, which is for 50 years is enough, who wants to abolish the International Monetary Fund. What Global Exchange is pushing for is both through their own retail stores and to get corporations and others to do this worldwide, not free trade, fair trade. And they or the WRC can certify what is fair trade. And guess who of all people sort of caved into this when Global Exchange threatened a national boycott? Starbucks agreed to have fair trade coffee, at least as an option, in their outlets. It's worth taking a look and see if they've got that, and maybe even biting the bullet and giving a little money to Starbucks just to encourage them to keep this program, because they also said if nobody's into it, they're just going to drop it. My guess is fair trade is going to cost a little more simply because they're paying the farmers a lot more to grow the beans under fair trade. But it is a start. On top of it, when was the last time anybody outside of the members took organized labor unions seriously? This is happening again now, too. They're getting hip, and there's younger people coming up through the ranks. What I would love to see, and they're talking about this, is organizing temp workers. 
and organizing the assembly lines of Silicon Valley, which is one of the most toxic industries around now. Largest concentration of Superfund sites in America is in Silly Clone Valley. Something needs to be done about that. And if people are going to unionize to fight back against corporate feudalism, why not a nationwide union of college students demanding a stop to these budget cuts, demanding an amnesty on all student loans? Other countries in the world are serious about wanting smart citizens, so they pay to send people to school. This one, eh, student loans, will be just like the World Bank, only we're going to do it to you as an individual.